So at this point in the show, when I was first mm-hmm. watching it, I, I'm pretty sure after this, I, I had concluded that this show could do no wrong. Yes, I and I I would I, I would still agree with that. <laughs> so we watched episodes ten through twelve of Gurren Lagann, and mm-hmm. I, I think of of the the three episode chunks we've been covering. The first three, obviously, are, are you know fantastic, right? But uh, ever since then, there's some there there's always some place. Where it's like pacing issues, or it's like th- this isn't, you know, quite as tight as I remember it. These last three were just excellent. Yeah, and they cover so much ground, and also have some of the best like emotional gut punches. Yeah, uh, and I don't. Okay, it's funny how how I remember things, and then how I don't remember things. Because mm-hmm. I remembered the beach episode being an episode. I don't remember it being one part at the beginning of an episode. I was actually kind of relieved when I saw that episode 12 was when they go to the beach. Because I was like, okay, good. There's already plenty to talk about with the first two. This one can just be, you know, this can just be here to buy time. But then, like, not even halfway through, it starts turning into, like, the the climax of a lot of these different plot threads. <laughs> Right. It, it's like they managed to put both a spa and a beach episode within the first 12 episodes, and it doesn't really harm the pacing, especially uh-huh. the beach episode. Yeah, the, the beach episode isn't even an episode. It's just that part of, right. of the bigger plot-focused episode. Yeah, uh, this these three also... Man, it's... In retrospect... It's impressive how much work was done to make Nia work immediately mm-hmm. when before it kind of feels like our old dog just died and we're already replacing it with a new one. That's what, that's yeah. what you know, <laughs> the the first reaction where it's like, hey, we're at we're at lesser people working on this, this kind of writing decision where it's like you just killed off a major character and then immediately introduce another major one. Uh, it probably helps that, you know, that that is kind of the point and and it works because of that. Where it's like mm-hmm. as soon as um, Simone gets sent spiraling into this um, emotional mm, abyss. Abyss, yeah. Abyss is good. I was going to say something like Whirlpool, but yeah, that, that works. And uh, it, it works that that's when she shows up. It, mm-hmm. it kind of, almost kind of works psychologically even. I mean, I've already talked about this where Nia is basically yeah, an animal. Yeah, but I also but. I also think that it, it it warrants saying again, especially when she's, you know, in that conversation between him and Yoko and Neo or Neo. Nia. Yeah, from um, The Matrix. He has a little right. he's a little crossover you remember scene. That scene. I remember that part where Keanu shows up and Karen Lagan. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> but but in that scene where she's like where she's voicing like well it seems like you're you're putting way too much like way too much on a person who isn't even here yeah. anymore. Well, uh, it's like she's she's voicing what's already going on inside of Simone's head. It's just he doesn't want to acknowledge that. Yeah, and she also is doing the same for 
I guess the group in general. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, she, she's a breath of fresh air that, you know, maybe maybe they don't all realize is missing because they're all, you know, pretty distraught or at least somewhat aimless over Kamina being yeah. gone because he was the whole reason they were all there. They were all gathered. This ragtag right. bunch of people who otherwise did not have purpose or direction, really. Keaton, you know, was already on the service, but he, he was, you know, riding on dogs backwards. <laughs> who who knows? Who knows if he had like a greater goal or anything? It kind of seemed like it was just survival. So th- yeah. that, that's why on a on a on a quick note. <laughs> You know, we're talking about the dogs for just a moment, uh-huh. but the the freaking pole jumping fish. Yeah, that was a funny little creature. I I I, I love the animals that you see on screen. They're all really goofy. <laughs> I like you know the favorite is that hippo that's covered in in grapes or something grapes. that just takes an arrow between the eyes and doesn't even react. It just falls over. But. Uh. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> like they were talking earlier, they were saying like someone has to be the leader and they more or less off screen kind of decide it's Keaton. But the fact that mm-hmm. it's it's clear that the decision is like not really made like he's calling himself huh. the leader and they're sort of tolerating the idea that he might have to be. But uh, but nobody's really settled on it. He, he, yeah, he also every time he tries, he shows himself as somewhat ridiculous. Yeah. And and when he even says, like, you know, when he kind of takes the charge and says, you know, well, we got to do what Kamina would do. Exactly. Everybody's kind of, they take pause. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I like how Leron was like, yeah, he wouldn't waste a second. And then Keaton's like, yeah, exactly. So that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, he, he's the leadership he provides is um, not not very mature and then it's backed up by well i bet kamina would do this yeah it's a very it's very immature interim yeah uh so yeah the the, like that interaction between simon yoko and nia when simon's trying to communicate to nia like who kamina was and Mm her reactions are just extremely blunt. Like she's clearly a very sweet person, but at some point she's like, I can't, when they said, or I can't remember if it was Simon or Yoko who says it first, who like says that you just didn't know him or something. Yeah. Yoko is the one who outbursted first. I don't know. I thought it was Simon who first says he, it's not an outburst, but he does say something to the effect of, you didn't know him, and she says, "I cannot know someone who isn't here, and you can't continue to." Uh... Dang it! What did she say? Oh gosh! Because um, that's when Yoko steps in, and you can't rely. Yeah, on Yeah, you can't rely on someone here. who isn't here. Yeah, that's when Yoko steps in and like gets gets right, the big angry. Right. Uh, this is like some of Yoko's best stuff up to this point in mm-hmm. the show. Maybe, maybe even since this is like the most she really is like involved as far as like mm-hmm. the, the character development and stuff. I mean, mostly, 
99% of this show's character development is all Simone, which is fine because he's the protagonist. But uh, right. this kind of, um, what's this, what'd you call it? a juncture, a turning point? This is a point mm-hmm. where, where Simone, you know, has to make one of his biggest, uh, this is one of the biggest obstacles Simon has to overcome, emotionally at least, mm-hmm. mentally. Well, I mean, yeah, as his character, he has to overcome grief and now missing the thing that was uh from his perspective was was pushing him on by itself and you know there's there's the whole thing with the story that when they were caved in and you get the two different sides eventually yeah the the scene where they're all like scrambling to break out of the bedrock and then they all just stop and are silently watching Simone. Yeah, that got me. Yes, yeah, so you get, yeah, you also get to see it be real. Like you get to see the the thing that Yoko says Kamina was describing where it was like you yeah. can't give up just because he's he's slowly digging away. <clears throat> and when when everybody it was like in that moment when everybody realizes this is why Simone is the leader or this is why <laughs> Simone should be the leader. Yeah. That scene just who Maddie, Maddie had come in and like she was, uh, <laughs> she was putting our girls to, to bed or well, our eldest to bed because she, uh, she only wants mommy <laughs> when we, when she goes to bed. Anyway, she comes in and she's like, are you okay? Your eyes are watering. And I was like, yeah, I, I just did. <laughs> I pointed at the TV and she's like, Oh, <laughs> Yes, I see your cartoons. I understand. They are very emotional for you sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like how much isn't spoken in that regard. Which is funny mm-hmm. because it feels like there's a lot in these three episodes that is spoken by Nia. Spoken very plainly and somewhat annoyingly. She's got, she starts going freaking Socratic method on everyone where she just says, Why? To everything, <laughs> and it's or what is right, right. <laughs> it's like it's it's coming from a place of like naivety. Like it's not the same as Socrates, who's who who is trying to pursue truth, but is also knowingly being a douchebag. Like <laughs> hers is is naive, and she she does genuinely want to know. It's funny that she, mm. she isn't just interested in helping. And what I think is funny is that she's accused of coddling Simone. Or not accused of, mm-hmm. but Yoko says, just don't coddle him. When she's the only one who hasn't been coddling him. Right. I thought that was cool. That was a, a, a nice a nice way of... of... So, I, I, you know, we don't like it when people tell instead of show. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's what that was. That was actually a good way of showing that Yoko like doesn't approve of what she's doing in the situation because she's like very obviously projecting when she says that. <clears throat> yeah, it's really effectively done. And I, I just there's there's plenty just good scenes where you th- there's so much tension about like. I guess just the grieving process or whatever, but, but Nia is able to like navigate it really easily. Not just, I don't mean like 
you see her navigate it with the other player or the other uh, uh, characters, but you see her or not. You see her. She does like for the viewer navigate it really effectively. Yeah. And she also like she kind of makes herself a uh, kind of a. A, a scapegoat figure for like the frustration of somebody trying to like diminish or seemingly uh-huh. diminish the, the the savior person who came before and she's she's not diminishing them she's just like he's not here anymore and so but she's bearing that weight without like worrying about it yeah that that scapegoat factor continues to kind of uh take on new form as mm-hmm. as these episodes go on, where uh, she keeps saying, or, or, or I think Yoko suggests, or no, Keaton suggests, let's hand over the girl, <laughs> <laughs> and then like she she's willingly like, yeah, I'm, I'm I'll go, I'll go talk to her or whatever. <laughs> and the the whispering and she, she she's gonna do it. She's gonna she really wants to do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, the scene between her and Adine is one that I always remember as being like kind of funny, but also really tense, mm-hmm. I guess because of Adina's like reactions are hilarious. She's making these just over the top, ugly faces about everything. <laughs> like and sticking it's, her tongue out. <laughs> yeah. She's like really immature. Like, or like I say immature. I, I keep using that word. It, it is like a funny childish character that all of the lieutenants are playing. Like, Guam is the same way. After a certain point, he's just this insane, petty, petty, childish character. And it's like, the Spiral King's generals are competent, like, in combat. And they they behave a certain way in front of him. But, like, the people that they are, they're just, like, bottom feeders. Which Mm -hmm. highlights a little something. That I think Gurren Lagann has that's perfect in its universe, where it's like everything is inverted. Like the humans are living underground, and these grotesque hybrid beasts are the ones that are being put in the highest positions. It's like these the are the mole people. Right. <laughs> these are the generals. And, you know, they're the. Uh, what, what am I trying to say? They're like, they're basically the Spiral King's Knights of the Round Table. And mm-hmm. they're all like skeevy dirtbags. Right. Who like just, the, the, when Guam's explaining to Nia, like what she can do for him, like she could start training the the new girls for the Spiral King's amusement. And she's like disgusted by it and slaps him. And Guam's just laying there like, cackling and squirming at himself <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it, it's it's r- a really effective like illustration of like why mm-hmm. why things are not the way they're supposed to be and I, I like the conversation between Adina and Nia because it, it wraps around to being like actually hang on that's like the second phase. The first phase is like uh, when she's talking to Simone about why or, or like if she if he hates her father, the Spiral King. And he, he says, mm-hmm. of course I do. 
And then, you know, she keeps asking the questions. And I like how eventually Simone is like, I don't think anyone here hates you. And then he's like, eventually he's like, uh, Kamina never fought because he hated anyone. Like, yeah, it, it wasn't that that drove him. So it's it's like she's she's pulling this stuff out of Simone. And even though, yes, show instead of tell, there is at a certain point that the thing that you do have to show is the hero kind of saying something out loud because now he has to take it seriously. Like now it, now it has taken form. Like, right, now, right. It's like, it, it's going from his brain into like an oath almost. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I watched a video just yesterday that said you should be careful when using this word because it is somewhat sacred, but it is, I, I do think I'll say this. I'll say this. I, I think <laughs> that it is like th- there's an element of logos to that where mm. it's like you do. You are trying to speak something into existence. So mm-hmm. at the point where, you know, he's grieving and he's got a lot of these thoughts in his head. And there are some things that he's saying that, you know, he doesn't mean like, especially when in the previous episodes he was rampaging and like, mm-hmm being extremely uh violent violent yeah and and like shouting these violent battle cries and stuff wrathful yeah. right and you can tell that um he's probably feeling that but there's not a lot of truth to it mm-hmm. if that makes sense it's more like a retaliation or a um uh, more like a boast like a yeah. um, or not really a boast not a boast uh I mean, it's like when an, when an animal makes noise, so you back off. It's kind of like mm-hmm. that. It's basically he's like trying to make himself look bigger to to his enemies and to himself in that moment. Yeah. Uh, which is ironic because the only reason he's like this is because he feels like now he's in great danger because Kamian is mm-hmm. gone. But uh, yeah, the scene that she gets or OK, the the point at the story where she finally is getting these things out of him where he's actually saying them out loud where it's like yeah i'm i'm not actually fighting for hate and it's it's not it's almost like at that point now he can't really take the idea of vengeance seriously it's like now it's Mm -hmm. like well now these people it's because it's because this is wrong not because they took something from me and i'm gonna get even <clears throat> yeah. Uh, shoot, I've completely lost my train of thought. That was going somewhere else. So you said you said that that was the um that was the first uh, the first phase of her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I mean, kind of for Simon. It was like an extremely important moment just in his development. No matter how you slice it, like that was. A really important. Yeah, and it was like the crystallization of his motives. It was like figuring out what his motives are, Mm -hmm. and that's a probably the main point in him getting out of this malaise. But Mm -hmm. the the three phase the three phased thing I was referring to is more like them kind of figuring out how they're different from their enemy, and like the differences in what they're fighting for. The second phase is when she's is when Nia's talking to Adine and she keeps asking her questions like she does everyone where she's like, 
I don't, what what she she was like, I don't hate you. I could care less. Like Mm -hmm. she, she has this low opinion of humans, which I think is funny because it's clearly her trying to, it's exactly what Simone was doing earlier Mm -hmm. where she's trying to say these things where she's like, humans are low, maybe even lower than worms. And it's like, yeah, that's not true. (laughs) This is, Mm -hmm. this is you really trying to boast or whatever that would be. I don't, I don't, it's not boast. I'm using the wrong word, but she, she's kind of trying to speak this thing into existence that is fundamentally not true. And it's kind of exposing her as maybe being a bit afraid. Like it's exposing right. all of the beastmen of being afraid of humans or, you know, I'll say at least afraid and maybe a bit jealous. But uh, yeah, and that 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 comes into play a little or a lot a bit more later a, on. <laughs> a lot of it more later later on, and also it is kind of a you know, a little bit of a pattern mm-hmm. of reality, <clears throat> where it's like the 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 great purpose that humans can serve uh, makes inhuman things a bit resentful of them. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> And then the third phase, shoot, I've, t- I've totally lost it again. I guess I'll, j- I'll just say, I like all the stuff with Nia, and she's not grading. It almost seems like she should absolutely be grading. Mm-hmm. Like, her design... But I think that she's, she's serving such a purpose that... Uh, you don't really see it as grading because you're 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 watching these characters react and um and grow because of these questions. She's also not a Mary Sue. Mm-hmm. Like uh she is obviously very flawed and uh the the scenes the the beach scenes with her and Yoko is very it it does a lot to to kind of bring her down to be like a more human character. Mm-hmm. It's also hilarious. I don't remember that being that funny. <laughs> also, what the, the watermelon that just starts walking away and like no one reacts to that. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, go get it. That's what watermelons do, right? <laughs> and then when Nia splits it and then like the little creature like separates from it and has eyeballs now. It's a weird place that they live in. Or I guess our, our, Man, our it's a weird the place animals. they're crossing. Yeah, I guess that's... Th- there's an interesting clarification. Because I like how they're heading for uh, the Spiral King's headquarters. Or is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Is that what they call uh, it? I can't remember what they called it. Are they calling it the headquarters? Specific. The gunman headquarters? Or was that already a place they made it to? Yeah, because that's what... That's what uh, Daigunzon was. Yeah, I think that Daigunzon was the the mobile headquarters, and now, oh gosh, where were I don't remember what they're calling it. It is like a new base of operations that they're heading towards. But yeah, I like they're they're heading towards that, and um, resistance is getting greater the closer they get, and they're like they had the whole. I like how in just half of an episode they cross the entire ocean, but um. Mm-hmm. I like how it's like they're moving inward. 
like hum- yeah. humanity is returning inward after it's been scattered not only underground but like to the edge of the world where there's hybrids and stuff like that yeah this uh it's very it's it's almost tolkien-esque the way this is set up if i if i'm gonna drop a drop one of those oh i don't think i ever or i had not ever okay the way i'm the way i'm saying that's not right I don't, it's not that I didn't ever notice this before, it's that I wouldn't have, but now that I have, now that I, like, am aware of some of these things, like, symbolic patterns and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it's impressive how much of Gurren Lagann is almost by the numbers, which is interesting, because I was taking this to be a sort of, I mean, I said it earlier, I, I was seeing this as kind of a, a revolutionary story. But I'm not yeah. 100% sure it is. This is almost not that. And there's... Yeah, it's almost like a restoration of, of the rightful, like, uh, human pattern of growth rather than being subjected to a pattern of slavery. Uh-huh. As... as some sort of return to something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's drawing the eye of Sauron, uh, Sauron as much as maybe, <laughs> maybe delighting too much in the the confirmation of of, of one's own belief system. But <laughs> like the fact that it's like them them returning somewhere, and the things that are there are all very jealous of them and don't want them to come back. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, and we can also talk about this a whole lot more later on once there's a, a number of other revelations yeah. that come. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. Like, I definitely, when we were watching this the first time, it was definitely like a, I mean, row, row, fight the power. Like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a revolutionary feel. Yeah, it's like bringing but, down the man. But it really isn't just that. It's It's not that materialistic. There's right. way more There's... going on here. Also, I was going to say earlier, and, and I'm, I'm glad I got not really interrupted, but I'm glad that I stopped because I think I was wrong. I was about to say that Nia is like made to be grading. Like she's she's overly um, she's overly like cutesy, but mm-hmm. she's not quite because she's also very strange, like. Her irises, like the the design of her hair and stuff, she's almost kind of alien mm-hmm. and hard to hard to grapple with. And I, I, the scene, like it's comedic and obviously fan servicey. But the beach scene with mm-hmm. her and Yoko, where it's like the difference between them, Yoko is really because of the the world she's grown up in, really does behave like. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say this. This might actually draw the eye of Sauron. <laughs> if I decide, if I decide to to cut it out, I'll cut it out. But I guess just you know what I'm getting at. I'll say it. But she's behaving like a man, like she's an expert with a rifle, and no one is mm-hmm. particularly like surprised by her attire because who's surprised when a man walks around bare chested? Yeah. And then now that they're seeing Nia. Who is 
who is not like that. It's like they're they're getting an idea of of what the feminine actually is that they weren't getting from Yoko. Like Yoko was not the anima for Simone. She maybe was actually more the anima for Kamina, which says a lot about him. <laughs> Just how <laughs> how over the top, like. How flamboyant how, he was. How flamboyant, yet how much machismo he has. It's like even his anima <laughs> is, it looks like Yoko. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kamina has the anima that a WWE pro wrestler would have. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the difference in the group's reactions to Yoko and Nia is that <laughs> when Keaton's like, Yoko's right, leaving more to the imagination is way better. And it's like, <laughs> you're kind of returning a sort of sacredness to the feminine mm-hmm. that so far they've literally not encountered. They haven't encountered the absence of, of what is now making them more interested in it. They're, they're, uh, it's like a, a return to potential. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I, I've, I had uh, all, all sorts of neurons firing off where I'm like, I've never noticed any of this crap. Which I'm, I'm not going to hold that against myself, but uh, I am going to point out that I, I, I was definitely getting all this from the show originally. I just wasn't able to articulate it or even understand yeah, what was, was like happening. A, it was, it's definitely a subconscious thing. I, I mean, I think now that uh, you and I have gone through the the various journeys and exposures that we have, we have a better vocabulary now. You absolutely more than me, just because you absorb <laughs> an exponential amount of information more than I do. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think maybe on this specific topic, I have absorbed more. Right. But then you start talking about Linux, and I'm like, I can't. I, I don't even <laughs> think we've just absorbed different information. That's probably very accurate. Yours got you employment, and mine got me this. <laughs> but yeah, th- we definitely took all of this in subconsciously. It's just now we're ab- we're we're looking back at this through the lens that we currently have, and it's making it clearer and. It's not even harming any of the image or the uh, the like the final story of the show. In fact, it kind of like pushes it forward and makes it even better. I would say it's transformed it to me because it, it's like now that I have a few more bits that have been refreshed mm-hmm. to me with like this new, I guess, cipher. It's not necessarily a worldview, but this this kind of new technique of actually understanding stories. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, it's not the story of revolution. It's not the story of constant struggle. It actually, and okay, here's here's like the most important thing I wrote down that I wanted to talk about. <clears throat> but uh, it, it, it's, it, it actually gives an end to you know, when, when you do stop struggling, which hmm. that it'll come into, into focus much more by the end of the show. And it actually clarifies something that I think it's, it's interesting that it's been more contentious for a lot of people 
mm-hmm. about the ending of the show, how they feel like maybe something is a little wrapped up too quickly and not explained very well. Yet it gets explained in so somewhere in these three episodes. And I guess I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil anything for people who are watching along. But um <sighs> Adina mentions or wait, was it Adina or Guam? I can't remember. One of them mentions the fact that the Spiral King's body is immortal. And thus, the only reason he has children is for his own amusement. Oh, it was Guam that said that. Okay, yeah. So, the Spiral King is not having children to, you know, have some sort of legacy to try to leave the world better than he found it. It's just for amusement. And the only reason... Mm -hmm. That it is just for amusement is because he'll be here after them. There's no reason to leave a legacy if your legacy is going to die before you do. Uh-huh. Uh, also, you are the legacy if you're immortal. Right. It's like, why Why would you worry about the future or like other people? What's, what's going to be here after you? Because nothing's going to be here after you. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, are you picking up what I'm laying down on that? Because there's something I... near the end of the show where people are like, why can't they just do this? The characters even say this, but that I've heard people who I've shown this to do kind of wonder. They're like, it does feel like they just kind of say that you shouldn't do that. And to them, it's coming off as a sort of moralization. But it could also just be, oh, we wrote ourselves into a corner. I think this being said here almost explains why. Because it's like, well, we were just tyrannized by that. We were just tyrannized by something that didn't go when it was supposed to. And, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to pinpoint exactly what you're uh, what you're alluding to. I thought it would be obvious. (laughs) Uh, I'll have to edit this out. It's for not sure. immediately obvious for me, and maybe that's just because it's been a while since I've watched yeah. the rest of the show. But man, well, I, I'm I'm not. I'll, I'll edit this out for sure. This this won't be a will I or won't I? But um, when when they when Simone doesn't use spiral power, because yeah, what? I I would say now to my mind. One of the defining features of why the Spiral King is an evil tyrant that uh, has to be removed is his immortality. Like that, yeah. that colors the way he's going to do things. Absolutely. That, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I did not think about that. It's also a bit telling that the language Guam uses. He says he was given an immortal body. That's funny because I don't remember hearing it like that. Yeah, I don't remember that either. In fact, I don't think I remembered that he was immortal. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I mean, like, I did, I didn't have any, um, like he, def- he always seemed like in his prime. Yeah. 
it, it didn't seem significant that he had been around a long time because, you know, he didn't seem like a particularly wise man or nothing. But it's almost like, well, who needs wisdom if you live forever? Right. You can kind of just brute force things. Right. P- people kind of become wise as they realize, you know. You know, they're they're here for here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> right, right. I mean, wisdom is kind of realizing what matters. And yeah, they, the way that things matter is how they benefit your life. And if your life is immortal, well, then. <laughs> well, <laughs> not even just like if they benefit your life. It's it's like if but because there's plenty of things that, you know, are, are wise that have nothing to do with your life, but true, maybe life true. that comes after. Uh, or, or, you know, giving attention to life that came before that's not here anymore. Uh, but, yeah, that was a detail that I, I think I, I don't, I wouldn't say I skipped over it, but it didn't, it didn't seem to glow like it did this time. Or I was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, there it was. That thing that people are kind of kind of feel like was was wrapped up too quickly it's like well it was already wrapped up just now it's yeah. like here's one of the reasons why this is a problem and i'm i'm not i'm not gonna hold it against uh a writer when they've already told you why and the in the and you want them to tell you why again it's like no you have to tell me again i forgot it's like okay well they're respecting your intelligence by not telling you again yeah, <clears throat> I guess you could argue, you know, maybe it could have been a little more obvious, but I actually like that it's subtle and I like that I found it after this many previous viewings. I think the it really is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the. The the idea that you keep getting more from something, uh, n- mm-hmm. not just you repeatedly watch it over and over and over again, but like. Years later, you get more from it, and the fact that it has not yet been diminished by those repeat viewings. Because I'm going to tell yeah. you right now, I didn't like episode four the first time I saw it. That wasn't news to me, <laughs> but that was kind of like <laughs> the the pacing stuff was always like known, where it's like uh, some of these episodes are not as good as the other ones. But everything right. else, it's like the, my opinion of this only grows. <clears throat> Anything you want to add? No, I'm I'm, I'm silently nodding my head in, in the very podcast-friendly yes. uh, affirmation yes, way. Yes, yes. I, I know it well. <laughs> we could talk about Viral, because this kind of starts his own sort of hero's journey. Not exactly. He's he's yeah. freaking he's always like a side character. He never gets to like always the bridesmaid. <laughs> he he doesn't get to properly be like this. This is a single protagonist show. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what um, that that's why Kamina's untimely death doesn't throw it off the rails. It doesn't feel like it was done where it's like, ah, oh, we got to get some momentum, kill a character off. It's like. This is very much, this has to happen for Simone, and all of this stuff has to happen for Simone. Uh, right. And, like, Viral's character development is a way of 
communicating, maybe not communicating. Viral's character development is a manifestation of Simon achieving his destiny. Because it's like, you you know, the, the, the upside down world they're in, right? I, I, I'm about to spoil something. I should stop. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to leave Careful. it. I, I need to just talk about <laughs> what was in this episode. Uh, I, I like yeah. I like how you're getting to see Viral that isn't just, you know, the the Viral that wants to fight Kamina. It's the first time you get that in this episode. <clears throat> and him getting kind of uh, beat up on by his superiors. And it also establishes that the superiors in in this hierarchy are cruel. Where, yeah. where she's literally just as he's talking to her, she's just beating him. And then she rejects his request. And he's like, you know, in bandages recovering from his, his previous failure. Uh, and, it, you know, also he's having to like, he's having to multiple times atone for the things that he's done or not done. Right. His failures. Yeah. Uh, it does a good job of showing how this world works. There's great world building in this because the world building mm-hmm. is the character development is the plot. Like you're not stopping. You're not screeching the plot to a halt to give us a lore drop. That never happens. You're just getting, well, Adine treats Vera like this and he's not even her direct subordinate. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine what it's going to be like for Adine when she fails just like Viral did. And that's why she doesn't go back. She can't go back after she fails. Like, right. She has to just fight to the death. Or if she wins, hope that she gets favor back. Because <clears throat> this is how this chain of command works. It's the chain I go grab and beat you with. <laughs> the... um. The other thing that I I definitely noticed in this episode that I think that I forgot um, on, you know, from previous viewings of the show was I, I think I forgot that Viral didn't know Kamina died. Really? I I always thought that was interesting because he has. And I I love it. I mean, like, it is, it's kind of tragic. No, there is a moment where like, Viral, like later on. Ah, dang it! I shouldn't be spoiling this crap. <laughs> Good grief! I gotta, I so I've gotta be stopped. That it comes up later, and it's kind of a. I'm surprised you don't remember because it comes up later in like a scene. Mm-hmm. Where I guess surprise, surprise. Eventually, Viral finds out Kamin is dead, and then is like, "When did that happen? How long have I been chasing this rematch?" Not knowing he was already dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I love, I love the fact that Kamina is still driving Viral. Like even just in these three episodes, that it's like just, just the opportunity to fight Kamina is driving Viral to continue <laughs> like clawing forward. Yeah. No, that's really cool. I, I like how it, it kind of seemed like Viral was maybe like you can tell he's a pretty ambitious fella. But you could also tell mm-hmm. that, like, before Kamina, he had never had to fight this hard for something. And it's 
Un- unlike the other Beastmen. Oh, okay, this really borders on spoiling. Because I'm going to tell you, when I was watching it, I didn't know this was going to happen. At this point in the story. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to not talk about it. But I would rob <laughs> myself of getting to talk about it later with all of the parts in place. So, eh, I'll, I'll take solace in that. I, I, can, <laughs> I can relax and watch that. I can sit back and watch that shit pass. It'll be back around. Uh, here's something I noticed that I don't think I ever noticed before. Gramps is always there to, like, save Nia. When he's when, just when he's needed. Right. Yep. And it's, it is kind of funny and it's used as, you know, a, a convenient narrative thing where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, <laughs> people just keep losing track of Gramps. He's just like on the bridge after the enemy has commandeered the entire ship again. He's just like there. People don't notice right. him. <clears throat> but it, it is funny how there's almost like a connection between him and, him and Nia, and I can't remember where I where I saw this before, but there is a sort of two sides of the same coin thing to the young woman and the old man that like plays this part in uh, a hero's journey scenario. I guess the one example mm. off the top of my head, which I don't know if I'm actually pretty sure you haven't played, but um, the connection Ocarina of Time between Navi and the great Deku tree is this kind of thing. Like it establishes this sort of okay. uh, duality that both of them are not what the hero is. So it's like, they're both representing whatever he is not the old man being male, but old, unlike the young male hero and the young woman being female. <clears throat> You know, the okay. the complete opposite would be the old lady. But uh, in this one, you get the two of them. It doesn't really ex- it doesn't really expand upon that. That was just something I, I noticed that I didn't notice before. I'm like, oh, there it is. I'm seeing that come up more. Hmm. That might be something to look into because that that it definitely is intriguing. <laughs> it's also very old. It's a very ancient pattern of storytelling and more of those keep showing up in Gurren Lagann like later than you would expect but they're showing up nonetheless I think that's interesting because there's a lot of times where I'll be watching something where I kind of know exactly uh, what I'm in for from the beginning I mean especially if I've already seen it but Mm -hmm. this is uh, it's it's not even what I expected in this viewing. It's, it's it's almost like it's reaffirming itself as one of the most interesting things I've ever seen. Not just best, but most interesting. Which is fun. Yeah, it, it really is like the, this. This rewatch in particular is showing me the specifics of why I love it so much. It makes me uh, excited for you know, six to seven years from now when I watch it again and get a completely other new meaning from it. <laughs> because those six or seven years is going to be spent being scared to go back to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that, is, are you making a prediction or something? 
<laughs> yeah, because we're going to be like, I, I, I don't know if I want my life changed again. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting phenomenon. <laughs> Has Gurren Lagan taught me nothing? <laughs> Time to go watch it. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, I, I've been absorbed, like you said, I've been absorbing uh, a lot of things <laughs> like related to this recently. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the idea of this thing that I've been very hard on myself for uh, has now been communicated to myself as just a problem with humans is that you have to keep relearning the things you already learned. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why people go to church every Sunday. Yeah. This is why you have to go <laughs> all of them. <laughs> it's like you, you have to repeatedly return to this stuff repeatedly. Like you didn't, you didn't get enough for your whole life. <clears throat> and it's why uh, it's it, when people say, or, or uh, uh, I say when people say that's such a generic, nothing statement. When people start learning about something like the monomyth or hero's journey, or, you know, like just like the very uh, um, bare or not, not bare bones, the very nuts and bolts kind of thing that I'm learning about story structure right now. When people are like, mm-hmm. I mean, to some degree, they're right. Uh, that maybe they're intuiting that there is a certain sacredness that is being devalued by looking in too much. I mean, it's kind of like the fact that we had never looked at he- human anatomy until the Renaissance. And we definitely paid a price for that. Like, I'm not going to say yeah. science bad, but I am going to say it does have a cost. And like us looking into and mapping the human anatomy did have a cost. The fact that when we see a skeleton and we think, hee hee hee, funny skelly man, <laughs> that is a certain cost that we have paid <laughs> because there is something that should be rather grim about the image of a human skeleton. Mm-hmm. Anyway, before I went on that crazy tangent, what in the world was I talking about? <laughs> oh, I was talking about when people are like, well, you learn all this stuff, not not the, you know, the devaluing the sacred or the, the mysterious, but kind of like, why would you want to keep seeing the same story over and over again? And it's almost like, well, because you have to, you have to keep seeing the same story over and over and over again, or you'll forget that you're living the same story. Yeah, it's like you have to be you have to be taught over and over and over. It's like you have to refresh yourself. It's like an mm-hmm. affirmation. Which, I mean, of course, <laughs> me justifying as an as- affirmation assumes you find, you, you see value in affirmations. And it's like, well, there's some value in affirmations, as it turns out. I'm just, I'm turning into a hippie, dude. I say turning into, I just basically am now. <laughs> I didn't expect that. That kind of, yeah, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> I, I don't know if it came out of nowhere. It was a very gradual process. It wasn't a switch that got flipped. But it was a situation where it's like, at some point in my life, it was like, man, if there's anything I'm not, <laughs> it's a hippie. <laughs> uh, so do we want to talk about the big moment? The one that gives me goosebumps and makes, makes me tear up every time. Where, the big moment. Yeah, out of these three episodes, I'd say, and it's in it's in the it's in episode twelve. It's where this arc ends definitively, and it's where you get the image of them riding that wave 
crossing the shore and then they're walking mm. forward again. It's like we're past it. It's over. It's they've crossed the divide. Yeah, and it's and it's caused by Simone moving on. Like getting back on his feet. And it's Yeah, it's, and it took it took an atomic bomb's worth of energy <laughs> when when he did it. Yeah. Uh, I think to be fair, and I mean, I mean, it would take an atomic bomb worth of energy to move on from that event, like the the very the very soul that was giving everyone purpose who didn't have purpose before mm-hmm. was just gone all of a sudden. It would take it would take atomic levels of energy to get that momentum going again. What I think is funny is that uh, there was. A surprising it's like everyone else in the group is more hopeful than Simone is and it's you know mm-hmm. it's probably because Simone was closest to him but it was also because he wasn't just Simone's leader but because the right. rest of the people weren't as close to him it's almost like they're intuiting the fact that this doesn't end with him Whereas because of Simone's history with Kamina and like that shared memory they have and have completely different perspectives on when he's yeah. like, the only reason I kept going was because uh, uh, Kamina never lost hope, never lost his confidence, you know, just onward and upward, that whole thing. He thinks that that's why it happened. So he's the one that thinks, well, if he's not here, you take that out of the equation. Uh, I die in the the collapsed earth yeah <clears throat> but i i think it was funny how everyone else around him and it was making him mad visibly was already like well what's next what are we doing next and it's not just uh you know the resentment for someone for thinking someone's moving on too quick from uh a death but uh Everyone else is just kind of waiting to be like, yeah, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, I'm upset because it seems like they're expecting too much of me or they're expecting anything. Like, I I think what Simone thinks is supposed to happen now is we lost. Like Simone thinks Mm -hmm. we're done. Go home. Yeah. You lose. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's what Simone thinks is supposed to happen now. Uh, Whereas everyone else. Like I said, probably because they weren't, they weren't like, uh, uh, Kamina was their leader, their military leader, more or less. Uh, they're like, okay, well, who's next? We're still doing this, right? And I think that's funny, because that means the people, the masses, mm-hmm. they, they are aware that there is something from the ether that has now been pulled back into, an, into existence, and they're ready to follow it. And yeah, that thing like they, they've been inspired with this. Right. And, and it was a thing that was always there. It wasn't just a flash in the pan to them. It wasn't some crazy guy. It was like mm-hmm. something that was already there that was maybe dormant, that was existing in in the the nothingness has been pulled into someone. That someone's gone, so maybe it's floating around again, but it's like now it's too late. Now they know it's there. They're just waiting for it to they're waiting for someone else to possess it. Yeah. Which is uh man. I'm really liking all of this stuff. 
It's so, uh, it's just so bang on, which is astonishing. Like I said earlier, I thought this was just going to be, you know, fight the man. A very, uh, a very surface level story with excellent execution, but it's absolutely not that. It's, yeah, it's so crazy just how, how the perception of the story has completely evolved. On the, like specifically on this viewing. Mm -hmm. Like this wasn't the viewing I was going in with earlier. <clears throat> uh, shoot, there's one more thing. Oh, I, I was just going to say, like, that moment where he, he's, you know, ready to beat back Adine and Viral and all that, and he's, like, he has all of the memories, like, going mm -hmm. by in that montage, and then, like, the, like, resolve returning, <laughs> just the animation on that, like, the flow of everything freaking gets me yeah. every time. Also, when they're when they're having like that final moment when when Nia says here let me and she puts her hands on the controls and then he puts mm -hmm. his hands over hers it's like that I mean there's something to that <laughs> it's not nothing uh, and it uh, just it makes me flash forward to like the movies and uh -huh. to the finale and it's just we'll get there we'll get there <laughs> but like <laughs> that particularly where where it's like just the, the images and the the symbols there it's firing on all cylinders mm -hmm. everything is just it's falling right into place everything like it's happening at the right moment it's showing the right thing at the right time and and it's showing the right amount of it yeah, like it's not indulging. I think it's funny how when he does uh, destroy all of the enemies, he does it like almost suddenly. Like he, at some point, he's like, we don't have time for this, where it's like mm -hmm. you, you get the flashes of, oh, this is the new Simone. Like this is leader Simone. This is the one that was you. You had his enraged form earlier. That was disintegrated, but was new. Like, Communist Death created a new piece of him that is extremely dangerous for the enemy. Yeah. Like, it's this person with resolve and killer instinct, if he needs to have it. <clears throat> but it's like, now he's got the brain attached. And the heart. Yeah. And it's, it, at this point, it's like, now it can come back, and it won't be destructive. Well, okay, it'll be destructive, but not in the gra in the greater scheme. But like he, right. he's like they're losing. He's losing the fight to Adine, <clears throat> or uh, losing the fight to Viral and Adine. Which, by the way, what a cool set piece when Viral mm -hmm. has the ship attach and then start diving. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's such a cool. And tactic. then all of the. Um all of the uh, like the dents going into Daigonzon. Yeah, from the pressure. I also liked uh, when um, Daigonzon, like the, the the cockpit down beneath, not the cockpit, that kind of dome that <laughs> Gimme and Dari were looking out of when it gets mm -hmm. hit by the torpedoes and all the dudes on the bridge grab their nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then when 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 Gurren Lagan like. Hits the drill into Daigonzon, and then you see, and then you see Liron go. Woo! I totally. This is the first time I've ever noticed. That. 
<laughs> there was so much comedy in this scene. It was almost, it almost felt like a like a Marvel film suddenly, where it's like the climax <laughs> has all these like just funny little things that are happening. And you know, the, the the climax of this arc, I like how it was also partially the beach episode, which like that I think that checks out because the beginning of it is, you know, just the desaturated dour grieving misery. And then it's like mm-hmm. the, the triumph, of course, should not be dour and desaturated. Like, yeah. that's that's a mistake that someone who thinks, oh, I need to maintain tone. That's a mistake they would make. Because right. it's like, no, this is triumphant now. Like, all of the color has returned and we're laughing again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, plenty of good physical comedy, but like. Like that that moment where Simon like the the new ver it's it isn't just Simone's back. It's like Simone has arrived. Yeah. Because if if he if it was just Simone being back, he wouldn't have had that moment where he's like, We don't have time for this, and he breaks free and then gets a, a water drill to send him back to die guns on. <clears throat> yeah, man. We're calling it Dyke Guns on. All... That's not what it's called anymore. It's been renamed. I can't remember. Did they just call it Dykerin? I think you're. I think you're right. I think it is just Dykerin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah back it's to just the enemies keep calling it Dyke Guns on. <laughs> I, li- I, I liked uh, all of the the extra characters. They've really at this point. It's like they've all come into their own. Where they just get to, but at the same time they're still just like a like a, a unit. Uh huh. Yeah, you <laughs> like get... whenever I think of those those twins, I always think of them in the crowd <laughs> yeah. of the other people. You get them all together. Keaton is kind of, he he's like your 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 singular character that you get that that is like separate from them sometimes. Yeah, but but he's the mouthpiece of that group. Yeah, <laughs> he's like Keaton. Keaton is the voice of the people. Hmm. I take it back. When I all when I think of the twins, I also think of them arms folded, hunched over, and stomping their feet. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look. I wish I had written it down, but everything they say is gold, so it's basically like, nah. It's just just look up <laughs> any of their lines. Oh, I forgot their names again. One of them is Balinbow. I remember that. <laughs> like something in Balinbow. <clears throat> yeah, I like how uh, the show does not spend one minute on their backstory because that would be mm-hmm. lame. It doesn't need to. Not everyone needs a backstory. Not everything needs to be fleshed out. This universe exists not to be a replacement for your universe. That's, I was going to um, send you a couple videos about some some Jimmy Neutron bl- brain blasts I was having the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them had to do with the fact that it's like Gurren Lagan isn't escapism. Hmm. Escapism would be providing you a world to exist in instead of the one you currently exist in. But it, mm-hmm. it, it never... The only reason it fleshes out parts of its universe is to serve the greater story. And the story's purpose is... A story's purpose is never escapism. I would argue. That's my hot take. But... Hmm. It's to never coddle you. 
Yeah. I I would actually argue, and I'm I'm sure this will <laughs> this 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 comes off as a little cringe. It is to move you. To literally make you move. So you know, when when the when the little yeah. critics things are showing up on the previews where it's like moving and whatever, it's like, okay, good, did its job. That's what it's supposed to. <laughs> it did the bare minimum. Yeah, it's supposed to move. Well, the bare minimum is also a, a, an utter triumph that should be celebrated. So, in, in the case of story, so yeah, um, the the things that they leave out, it's like they're leaving it out because th- that's not the purpose. Whereas mm-hmm. universes, fictional universes that exist for people to waste time in. Uh, and I'd say there are some that are that. Like, I think uh, some people have latched on to things like Harry Potter, and I don't think that is the case with Harry Potter. Then again, I mean, I, I don't know much about it. But from what I've seen from some people, Harry Potter is a, sur- a story whose purpose is to move people. But there are a lot of people who've latched on to it, and uh, mm-hmm. that's the world they want to exist in. Like, I mean, yesterday, it, it was... Happening everywhere, like I, I, there's people in the gym wearing Harry Potter shirts. I saw a doormat the other day that was like a, a Harry Potter reference. I also saw a doormat that that said "Welcome to the Batcave," and I'm like, yeah. The amount of fleshing out that the comics universes have, like DC and Marvel comics. Oh man, yeah. It it, it definitely has turned into this is the place you escape to because the world you live in is utterly disenchanted and has nothing interesting. Mm-hmm. Or the world that you're allowing in. Yeah. Well, the, the world that you've been, I, I, I can't, I can't really fault a lot of people because it, it is being violently forced out of you at a very, very early age, <clears throat> mm-hmm. just by the environment. Um, I've been watching a, a video series by uh, Paul Verve- or John Verveke called uh, the Ma- uh, Awakening from the Meaning Crisis. And at some point, he does talk about, he's like, uh, this is something that Nietzsche said that people don't, they don't uh, uh, give enough attention to. Where he, he's saying, you, you've lost, it's, it's like you can't get rid of your grammar. Like the grammar you're using just to exist comes from this thing, which you're saying doesn't exist. It's like the the very Hmm. way that you understand other people comes from this and and you think you don't need it. Hmm. So, um, yeah, um... I think I have a new qualifier for uh, uh, fictional stories, and it ha- and I I think I'm I think I'm figuring out how to determine if something is escapist or not. I'm not saying escapist for someone at a personal level. I think you could get escapism out of anything if you really if you were really desperately trying to escape You're your own life. Trying hard enough, yeah. <laughs> if you try hard enough, you can avoid all of life's problems. <laughs> You can exist in any world if you work hard enough. I'm afraid that isn't true. You can only exist in this one. 
That's true. That's true. But that this one is kind of like the coolest one. So anyway, that's uh, that's getting out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we can probably wrap it up. I mean, <clears throat> I everything to do with the the climax somewhat with Simone. It w- is really just going to be gushing. But like the part where the mm-hmm. mole man is like, was this hole here before? Like when he finds Logon in the dirt. I remember thinking, of course, Logon's in the dirt. It had been discarded as garbage. I don't care that it's not physically there. That is where he finds it again. Yep. And, and I'm like, that was another thing where it's like, yeah, you have to repeatedly keep learning these things. Simon has to continue going back to the dirt to dig because that is where Logon is. And also, it's like Logon didn't come to, like, it didn't come down in the room with everybody else. It came down right in front of him where he was digging, like where he was already moving. <clears throat> well, right, but but not even that. <clears throat> the the part with there being holes in the ship, that's funny. That's funny because it's silly. Mm-hmm. Because that's not actually how it works. It simply just is that Logon is found in the dirt. It's found in the refuse. Like the the place Hmm. where you think you don't need it anymore. You go back in there and that's where where you find whatever the mythological being that Logon is. That is where it's found. Like, because that's where he found it to begin with and that's where he finds it again. It's been discarded. Uh, like mm. them just showing the hole. That's just a, a funny scene. But then I I love the I freaking I capital L love the scene where Simone goes into the cockpit upside down and is like, Nia, I'm here to rescue you. <laughs> and I like uh. I like how uh, Gramps comes with them. But they don't no no. They they were like, Gramps, come with us. And then he's just gone. Yeah, I was, was going to say he comes with them, but it, he isn't there anymore. It's like he already <laughs> slipped out. He's already with them. Good old Gramps. Yeah, I'm just like, that's like one of my favorite storyboards. Mm-hmm. Is Simone in the cockpit that is being piloted by all the beastmen and he's upside down. And he came up from below. And just like, I don't know. I mean, I could just, I I could geek out over how all of it, all of it is just, it's a hundred times better than I thought it was going to be yet. Like, even though. Yeah. It just keeps getting better. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching more just because. At some degree, I, I like like where it is right now. I like that I know where it's going, but I may not mm-hmm. even know exactly where it's going. It may, yeah, it, even it's more like because of this because of this new lens. It's like it could just completely surprise us yet again. Yeah, I, I love the intro for episode twelve where he says, "The man is back on his feet." <laughs> Freaking ooh. Mm. I was covered in chills. I'm covered in chills now. Uh, we probably need to wrap this up because I'm going to go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> uh, killing people's bad. 
Uh, but Adina isn't people. I'll just I'll argue that. <laughs> I would I would actually argue that Adina is basically a demon. <laughs> Killing beastmen is good. <laughs> I wouldn't even say that broadly though. I'd be hesitant to, but uh, I do believe in human supremacy. I, I absolutely. <laughs> if you you got me dead to rights, I admit it. Man, I really man, like have humans. I, have I been have I been infected by uh, by other things? Because when you said human supremacy, I like twitched. Like, <laughs> no, that's not right. Wait, yes, it is. <laughs> no, that was the joke. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. That was the right reaction. It was it was supposed to make you think. Hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> no i mean if you really cornered me you brought me all the evidence yeah i'd have to admit i i do i, do, I am quite fond of humans uh but yeah we'll see y'all next time uh what are we watching next time is next it's outlaw star again right i think it's outlaw star, cool. yeah. we're about to get i'm hoping Sweet. we're getting into the weirder stuff in outlaw star all right starting seeing Start, starting to see a whole lot of strange characters popping up. Uh, but yeah. I'm excited. That'll be next week. Yeah, go beyond. Plus, Aldrin. Um, dang, there was a, there was a, a piece of Simone's speech that I meant to, to bring up here, and I totally forgot about it. Oh, man. Just when he said, who the hell do you think I yeah, am? Oh, that was sick. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's we, we, we're never gonna stop. We should <laughs> we should quit it right here. We'll we'll have more episodes later. There'll be even more to yeah. talk about. Oh, yeah.